Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. You look into the mirror of God's Word and what do you see? You see yourself as God sees you, as you really are. This is where that deception comes in, right? So you can look into the mirror and you always shed yourself in a favorable light. But when you look in the perfect law of God's Word, you can't get away with that. Because it shows you, you, in the mirror of God's Word. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Ezra. We often surround ourselves with those who will tell us what we want to hear and what we want to believe about ourselves. Unfortunately, that does us no good. As Pastor J.D. points out, when we read the Bible and view ourselves from the light of God's Word, our true self is exposed. Then, and only then, will we begin to make progress towards becoming who God created us to be. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Ezra, chapter 7, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. For Ezra had prepared his heart, prepared his heart, to seek the law of the Lord and, and by the way, this is a big and, and to do it. And, here's another and, and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. Wow. Wow. How's that one? He prepared his heart. He prepared his heart prior. Oh, would to God (laughs) that verse 10 would be indelibly etched on every single one of our hearts, especially those who are pastors and teachers. This notion of Preparing our heart prior to, in anticipation of, both hearing and perhaps more importantly, doing the Word of God. You know what I mean by doing, don't you? Applying. Not just hearing the Word of God. Not just teaching the Word of God. But doing the Word of God. Whether we're teaching it or taught it, We want to be doers, not just hearers. In one ear, out the other. Have you ever noticed, I know this is kind of silly, but think about this. Have you ever noticed that we have eyelids, right? We don't have ear lids. I think about the seven letters to the churches in Revelation. By the way, all seven churches are very different. You can't take the letter to the church in in Laodicea or of the Laodiceans, Laodiceans better said, and apply it to the church of Philadelphia or the church of Smyrna. That message was just for that church. In other words, God has a different message for every different church. You can't have this cookie cutter approach, but there's one uniformity and similarity with all seven letters. They all end with this. Let him who hath an ear, that's rhetorical, You not only have an ear, you have two. Let him who hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. 
You know what's interesting in the Old Testament, replete throughout the Old Testament, you'll read this. Hear, hear, O Israel. It comes in through the ear gate. You hear the word of the Lord. That's where it starts, but that's not where it stops. That's where it starts. And that's just the beginning. But you are a hearer of the word, and then you need to be a doer of God's word. And again, please keep in mind, this is what Ezra wanted more than anything for God's people. And this is the the heart of a true leader, a, a true teacher. They want so much for God's people to taste of the Lord and to see that He is good. They want God's people to experience firsthand what it's like to have something very specific from God's Word applied to their lives and see the mighty hand of God move in their lives in such a powerful way that they're never the same again. It changes them. Like on Sunday we were talking about, it ruins them. You're ruined. You're, you're spoiled. When you've tasted that, it, you know what it's like? It's like you, you taste lobster or a, a juicy steak. I know this is going to make some people drool <laughs> and hungry, but you, you taste something so good, you're just ruined. I mean, you can't eat anything else because you've tasted the real thing. You've tasted of the Lord and you've seen that He is good. You've seen Him do things that only He can do. And He did it exactly as He said He would do it in His Word. And it came by way of being a doer of His Word. Very practical, very specific. You know James, and I know you're familiar with this passage in chapter 1, verses 22 through 25, James draws upon a very interesting analogy in describing the difference between being merely a hearer and not a doer of God's word. He says this, verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. (laughs) What? You know what that means, right? If you're only a hearer and not a doer of God's word, you're deceived. You're self-deceived into thinking that you only need to hear God's word. That's deception. And that means that you and I have this propensity to believe our own deception, to believe our own lies, the lie that all I need to do is just read God's word, hear God's word. No, you're, you're deceived if you think that you are only need to hear God's word. You're deceived if you're not a doer of God's word. And then he says this, verse 23, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, this is what he's like. Listen to this. He's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Did you see that connection? Okay, watch this. So now I've applied God's word 
And because I've applied God's word as a doer of God's word, then I'll have the blessing, the hand of God's blessing upon my life like it was on Ezra. That's the why behind the what. Now check this out with the mirror. This is perfect. This is brilliant. This is by the Holy Spirit, right? The law of God, the word of God is likened unto a mirror. And here's how that works. So you look into the mirror of God's word and what do you see? You see yourself as God sees you, as you really are. This is where that deception comes in, right? So you can look into the mirror and you always shed yourself in a favorable light. But when you look in the perfect law of God's word, you can't get away with that because it shows you you in the mirror of God's word. And oh, by the way, spoiler alert, (laughs) I'm a sinner. I need a savior. I need a savior. I need a savior. I'm a dirty, rotten, stinking sinner. I just, that's, you know, the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20. Oh, commandment number one. Okay, I broke that one. Commandment number two. I really broke that one. Uh, Commandment number three, commandment number four. There's even commandments that aren't in there that I've broken. (laughs) I've broken every single one of them. And that's the point. The law was not given for us to keep it. The law was given for us to see that we're lawbreakers and that we need the Savior. The law, the perfect law of God, takes us by the hand as a, 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 a schoolmaster takes us by the hand, now that we've seen our true condition, as we really are, it, it shows us us in our true condition. And now we're, we're ready. We're ready. We want for the schoolmaster to take us by the hand to the Savior. Because now we realize I'm a sinner. Okay, here, here's another, just real quick. I look at myself in the mirror and I see Okay, i got to do something about this. (laughs) First thing in the morning, okay, there's hair where there shouldn't be. There's hair where, there's no hair where there used to be. Can't do anything about that. I need to brush this, shave that, comb this, what's left of that anyway. In other words, I see myself in the mirror and I do something about what I see. And that's what James is saying. You see yourself in the mirror, now you need to do something about it. That's the applying, the application of the information that you have just now seen. I've got some information now. It's not good. (laughs) We got a problem. I need to do something about that which I'm seeing here. And that's when you become a doer of God's word. And when you're a doer of God's word, you are blessed in all that you do because of it. Verse 11 This is a copy of the letter that King Artaxerxes gave Ezra the priest, the scribe, notice, expert in the words of the commandments of the Lord and of his statutes to Israel. He was very skilled. We're going to see this again. Artaxerxes, verse 12, king of kings, not capitalized, don't worry. To Ezra the priest, a scribe of the law of the God of heaven, perfect peace, and so forth. I issue a decree that all those of the people of Israel and the priests and the Levites in my realm who volunteer to go up to Jerusalem may go up with you. 
And whereas you are being sent by the king and his seven counselors to inquire concerning Judah and Jerusalem with regard to the law of your God, it's not, not the Persian God, your God, which is in your hand, and whereas, verse 15, you are to carry the silver and gold which the king and his counselors have freely offered to the God of Israel, whose dwelling is in Jerusalem, and whereas all the silver and gold that you may find in all the province of Babylon, along with the free will offering of the people and the priests, are to be freely offered for the house of their God in Jerusalem. How interesting is that? <laughs> now therefore, be careful to buy with this money bulls, rams, and lambs with their grain offerings and their drink offerings, and offer them on the altar of the house of your God in Jerusalem. And verse 18, whatever seems good to you and your brethren to do with the rest of the silver and the gold, do it according to the will of your God. <laughs> Also, the articles that are given to you for the service of the house of your God deliver in full before the God of Jerusalem. And it gets better, verse 20. Whatever more may be needed for the house of your God, which you may have occasion to provide, pay for it from the king's treasury. Put it on my tab. Tell me how much it's going to cost. Consider it done. And I, even I, verse 21, Artaxerxes the king, issue a decree to all the treasurers who are in the region beyond the river, that whatever Ezra the priest, the scribe of the law of the God of heaven, may require of you, let it be done diligently. Up to 100 talents of silver. That's a lot of silver. I'm thinking that that's like three tons of silver. Think about that, three tons of silver. 100 course of wheat, 100 baths of wine, 100 baths of oil and salt without prescribed limit. Whatever is commanded by the God of heaven, let it be diligently done for the house of the God of heaven. For why should, this is interesting, why should there be wrath against the realm of the king and his sons? In other words, I don't want this coming back on me. My hands are clean. I'm... I'm issuing this decree for your God, for your house, the house of the God of heaven in Jerusalem. And verse 24, also we inform you that it shall not be lawful to impose tax, tribute, or custom on any of the priests, Levites, or tax exempt. How cool is that? Singers, gatekeepers, Nethanim, or servants of this house of God. Okay. <laughs> That's uh, quite something, isn't it? A couple thoughts. Uh, most interesting decree and very generous, right? On the part of this Persian king, King Artaxerxes. But we do have, kind of have a problem here. And the problem is, is that Ezra, and we're going to talk about this in a moment, but he's going to be traveling with an enormous amount of wealth in the form of silver and gold and even money. He's given him money as well. In verse 23, the reason I mentioned that it's kind of interesting is because we get a glimpse into the motive of this Persian king. It seems that he wants to appease 
this God of Israel, as actually was the custom in the day, but wisely so. He does not want anything to come upon him because he readily admits and acknowledges that this is the God of heaven, which is remarkable in and of itself. Um, the second thought, and this is what I want to actually kind of draw your attention to as we bring chapter 7 to a close. It has to do with the peril that Ezra and all of those who are returning with him to Jerusalem face. They are, think about this, they are prime targets for the many thieves. And there are many thieves along the way in this treacherous 900-mile journey. Now I'm going to pose a question, and we're going to get this question answered for us in a very profound way in chapter 8. But here's the question. How did they safely complete this journey without being robbed. Nothing was taken. We're going to see that at the end of chapter 8. They had an accounting of everything. Oh, by the way, these are not just the men that are traveling, which we're going to see in chapter 8 as well, the numbers of those men, who they were, but their wives and their children with them as well. Now think about that. You're taking this journey as perilous and dangerous as it is, and you've got that much wealth with you. And these bandits are waiting, just waiting for someone like this to make a journey like this. Well, hang on to that, and we'll come back to that. Verse 25, And you, Ezra, according to your God, given wisdom, set magistrates and judges who may judge all the people who are in the region beyond the river, all such as know the laws of your God, and teach those who do not know them. you got a Persian king telling Ezra, you need to teach them the word of God. Okay, all right. So <laughs> teach those who do not know them. Whoever will not observe the law of your God and the law of the king... <laughs> Let judgment be executed speedily on him, whether it be death or banishment or confiscation of goods or imprisonment. Okay, where I come from, they call that a, a deterrent. <laughs> a deterrent. Verse 27, Blessed be the Lord God of our fathers, who has put such a thing as this in the king's heart to beautify the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem, and has extended mercy to me, speaking of Ezra, before the king and his counselors and before all the king's mighty princes. So I, Ezra speaking, was encouraged. And here it is again. As the hand of the Lord my God was upon me, and I gathered leading men of Israel to go up with me. This is amazing. You know what Ezra does here? He acknowledges and is thankful and grateful for the grace and the mercy of the king and how King Artaxerxes had issued this decree. But it doesn't come at the expense of giving God the glory. He's not in any way glorifying this king. He's, he's acknowledging the king's generosity, the king's grace, the king's mercy. But all the glory goes to the Lord, as it should be.
the glory belongs only to the Lord. No flesh shall glory in his presence. Also, notice in verse 28, where we're told that Ezra was encouraged. Why was he encouraged? He was encouraged because God was blessing him. The hand of God's blessing was upon his life. Now, why again, I'm asking, why again was this man so blessed? Because he was a doer of God's word. The blessing of God in his life, the hand of God upon his life was because of the love for and the application of the word of God in his life. Is that too simple? Sometimes, and I speak of myself, it seems like it's so simple that it's too simple. Think about this. God wants to bless us. I imagine God looking for ways, waiting on standby, as it were, for opportunities. Just anything, at any time, He wants to bless his people. It's not that he, he won't, it's that sometimes he can't. He can't bless us. Oh, he, he wants to bless us even, I believe, sometimes more than we ourselves want to be blessed. But he can't. He's looking for ways to bless us. And if we would but obey him, please him, be a doer of God's word, then God's blessing will come. That's just how it works. Now, Ezra, I believe, knew that all the king had done for him, and that's quite a bit, wouldn't you agree? That it came only, which is why he gives all the glory to God, it came only because the hand of the Lord had not only blessed him, the hand of God was not only upon him, but the hand of God was also upon the king. The hand of God was directing and turning and moving the king's heart in the direction that God pleased. This is Proverbs 21.1. The king's heart, listen, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Oh, well that explains it. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. Boy, is this not apropos for today in the United States of America and the President of the United States of America, President Trump? God's hand directs presidents and kings and rulers. Obama, are you telling me that God's hand directed and turned the heart of an Obama, a Clinton, a Bush, absolutely. We are so glad you've joined us again for another look into the book of Ezra. We believe the Spirit of God is alive and active in the world today, and that He brings to life the words written in Scripture. We hope today's message has brought you life. If you'd like to hear more life-giving messages from Pastor J.D. Farag, you'll find them online at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. While you're there, take a moment to check out the Mideast Prophecy Update, in which Pastor J.D. discusses current events and their prophetic importance each Friday and Saturday. Here to tell you more about this is Pastor J.D. Thanks, Josh. 
Followers of Jesus Christ have this anticipating of his soon return at the rapture of the church, especially with everything that's happening in the world today. I'm of the belief that we are seeing key Bible prophecies beginning to come to pass in real time. And it's for this reason that we do these weekly prophecy updates as we look up and lift up our heads, knowing our redemption draws ever so near. This is what Jesus said in Luke's Gospel, chapter 21, verse 28. Our hope here at In Spirit and Truth is that believers will be ready and non-believers will get ready by coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ while there's still time. Thanks, Pastor J.D., and thanks to you for being a part of our listening audience. If you're in the Kaneohe area, we'd love to meet you in person. Stop by Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays to worship with us and study the Word of God. Find directions and service times at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. And be sure to tune in again right here on In Spirit and Truth.